to Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here, as ever, with Howard Teibel. Good afternoon, Pete. Good afternoon, good sir. So I'm ready for today. You ready for today? I'm I'm very excited about our conversation today. We're going to be talking all about innovation and changing the way we think about the decisions that we are going to make based on the data we can collect. But before we dig into that, make sure you head over to tybelink.com to learn more about us and this show. Subscribe for free. You can just click on the blue button. And we'll keep you updated with the latest episodes. And you can join the conversation on Twitter at Howard Teibel or at Pete Wright. We'd love to hear from you. And you can find Teibel Inc. on LinkedIn. Our very special guest today, somebody who has really embraced the culture of innovation around a fantastic project on data-driven decision-making, Delaware State University's Chief Operating Officer, Dr. Teresa Hardy. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you, and good afternoon. It is such a pleasure to be able to talk with you this afternoon. Why don't we start? Could you kick us off a little bit with a, with a little bit of a background on, on DSU and your mission as an institution? Sure. So Delaware State is an um, 1890 land-grant institution. Uh, we are a HBCU um, located here in the big city of Dover, Delaware. Um, we've been in existence uh, about 125 years. Um, we will celebrate that um, landmark um, uh, on May 2016. Um, we have approximately 4,600 students here. We got a diverse population, meaning that, and normally in HBCUs is about 80 plus, 90 percent African Americans. We have about 68 percent, 12 percent white, and about five to six percent um, international students, and the rest of them are other are of more than one race. Um, here at Delaware State, we want to be known for being a top HBCU. Also, we want to be known for our academic excellence and what we do to prepare our students for the first choice and employment out in the global market. So we do a lot here at Delaware State. So um, I'm excited to be here and be a part of what this institution is doing for higher ed. Well, Howard, you when when we first had this kind of brainstorm to to talk about innovation, we we weren't quite sure how we were going to frame the conversation. And then uh, you discovered the work that that uh, Teresa was doing at Delaware State, and we have have some more uh, information about that. Can you talk a little bit about about how you know you want to frame a conversation around innovation in this context? For me, and what I'm so excited about Teresa is just being able to be around you again because Teresa's, as you can tell, Pete, her energy is in. Infectious. And at the uh, Nakubo Economics Models Project, this is where Teresa and I met, and we spent a day together with a small group really stepping into the question of what does sustainability look like? And I think one of the things I remember, uh, one of the leaders of the group, whether it was uh, Bob or Jackie, they went around and talked about, you know, why each person was picked for their work. And I remember them describing uh, sort of the work that you're doing at your school, Teresa, and the fact that you are bringing a more robust way of looking at how to navigate this question of sustainability through data-driven decision-making. 
Sure. So it, it started. So this is this is makes me real excited. So you have to slow me down if I get too excited. <laughs> you got um, it. Because um, data is is what I consider the first line of information, and then we 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 add those qua uh, qualitative pieces on top of that. But it started with really looking at um, the decline the in HBCUs, the the stress level for financial. Um, problems that HBCUs were having. So we started to say, hey, look, we have to think about diversifying our revenue stream. How do we make sure we are sustainable for another 125 years? And that means that in order to do that, we got to look at the past to some degree um, to make decisions on the future. And so when we started the new strategic plan um, prior 2020, we based that on all decisions um, that came out of the university. We'll start with data first. And that's um, difficult. Well, difficult. I, 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 coming from a position of what? Where were decisions, how were decisions being made prior to this, this sort of awakening? I think on history, on... Um, I think this is what we should be doing. Um, and we're not even saying that's not what we be, should be doing, but at least we got the data that shows that this is we're going in the right direction. Well, and that's that's what I mean, because at, yeah. at some point without, you know, the decisions were made before you started this process of, of collecting data to support them. Uh, and and I, I wonder if that is, a, you know, how does that before and after context shift work at, at yes, Delaware State? I, yeah, I think before it was only maybe certain people had the data. So what we've done here is made sure all people have data, right? So that when we do a line of accountability, it's accountability with the right information. And so we have created from all the way from the board of trustees down to anyone in the organization, this is the data, this is what the data is showing. So you told me, what we should be doing or not doing, right? So just as support is what we not should not be doing as we what we need to be doing. And so I think we created um, a culture, or we trying to ensure that we create a culture of transparency around the numbers. And so one of the big things that we have done is created um, a data transformation team. And this data transformation team um, meets on Thursday. Um, I laugh with Howard because we, we meet at 3 and we finish 8 or 9 o'clock at night because we get so excited <laughs> about the data, right? Uh, but what's so unique about this, and this is what I mentioned early to Howard, is that we have a team that has faculty. We have a dean on the, um, uh, the team. We have institutional research. We have a data scientist on there, and we have uh, business school um, marketing specialists. So we have a combination of a lot of people that um, uh, that plays a part in this data. And we take questions. Hey, what is my retention in my college for the last five years? Here it is. And then we do predicted um, analytics on that to show them not only what your school is doing, but what are the possibilities that could happen if you maybe change this or that variable. That's fascinating. When you look at the the, the sort of cross-functional involvement that you have uh, involved in this team, uh, how have you seen the, the, the sort of culture, the, the cross-the-aisle participation culture change uh, as a result of this new transparency? 
believe it or not, we have a, a, a request. I want to be on the team. I want to be on the team. So that was kind of nice. Uh, that <laughs> because people, were, people aren't people aren't banging down your door yes, to be a part of a data like, team normally. Oh, yeah, I'm like wow, <laughs> wow. And actually, it was um, faculty that was um, requesting to be a part of the team. But uh, uh, one big thing that I think has changed the way people think is that even when decisions are made uh, without the data, we on this team will actually gather the data, all right? And so we'll say, oh, that's great, but did you see the data? Have you seen the last five years of this information? No, but let's look at it and then we'll decide if that is still the path that gets us to the outcome that we need. And so now it's starting to flip a little bit, like give me the data first and then I'm going to decide, you know, what's the correct or maybe the best probability of doing this based on the information. So, and that was the culture that we were trying to like change a little bit, look at this first and then now we can have a conversation on, you know, how do we move forward? I find myself continuously surprised, but appreciative of the fact that people want to be more engaged and we really need to make an effort to invite them to the table. And the downside I see, Teresa, a lot is we often keep people away from the table that we think are going to get in the way of uh, our initiative or have a strong point of view. And the institutions and leaders that find themselves saying, you know what, I'm going to welcome tough questions those leaders find themselves with better decisions and better people around them. Don't you find that, you know, think about your whole career. Hasn't it been the case that, that learning, how to, learning how to do that well, that's a challenge to invite people who ask tough questions to the table? And, and you're exactly right. So as you kind of, at least with me, look over uh, being in higher ed for quite a while, the do's and the don'ts, I think we did exactly what you just said at Delaware State. So one of the, the requirements was we're not going to shy away from anyone. In fact, put the worst critics up here so we can make sure that we answer all those questions too. And that has been a part of a lot of things that we have done, especially this program prioritization, is that we have DNA of everyone, right? So not only does the faculty had involvement, the chairs, the deans, the provost, before it even came up to the senior administrative council to the board of uh, trustees. So then everybody had, they actually had a weight in there. This is what the dean said that should be deactivated or should be invested. This is what the chair said. This is what the provost said. So all of that, and it's on the website. So all of that is there for anyone to see and see how people weighed in on the entire conversation. That's and that excellent. has helped a lot when you go before it says, okay, now we agree that we're going to deactivate 22 programs and you're yeah. in a, a good place. Nobody Everybody won't agree, but they will agree that they were a part of the process, right? That's right. And, the, and you know, when I think about this time of year, th this is, even though for all schools, this is sort of the mid-cycle, there is a, there's a closing off for ourselves as, you know, just people in our culture, starting, ending a, this year and starting a new one. Uh, to to really reflect on how do we want 2016 to be? How do we want people to feel empowered 
how do we want to engage stakeholders around us? So, so I think your, your approach to your work uh, is an inspiration for others to say, maybe I can be doing more. And, you know, one of the things I want to do, Pete, is, you know, share some of your work, Teresa, on our website so that people can see how you frame some of the issues. Because I think that sometimes all it takes is a template or an approach that people can see, if I follow this, I can get some initial momentum. And I think you've got some great models that you're working from, both conceptually but also in a framework that, that people would benefit from. It, it gets to, you, you mentioned earlier that, that faculty had started to knock on your door saying they want to be a part of this team. And, and that struck me as uh, a, a pleasant surprise. And I, I'm coming to you here as, from the perspective of a faculty member. When I add that piece to this piece, the fact that you're introducing a, a sort of process and continuous improvement methodology uh, across, and, and I'm assuming now across these sort of former silos, um, that can be incredibly scary. For, for teams that aren't accustomed to working that way. Um, have, you, have you seen it be as scary a transformation as I'm making it in my head? It, you know, it's only that when you don't communicate. Because at the end of the day, what we, we discover, and I think it's discovered a lot, you all really have the same goal, right? It's just that you come from it from different angles, right? Mm-hmm. From an academic perspective and from an administrative perspective. But I think what helped us um, along the way is that most of the time when you're doing prior, uh, program prioritization, you're looking at just the academic. And we promised the faculty. Um, the whole academic community, this is just not, it's Delaware State and it's everything that we do. Maybe we don't do a good job in, I don't know, food service. Maybe we should be outsourcing it and then just taking a commission because that's not what we want to do. We want to make sure we have the quality that we need um, in the core, which is academics and getting our students prepared to go out, you know, in the world. So I, I, I think by conversation, we have have meetings. We have, um, you know, we have luncheons. We, we invite the faculty over and say, we're not going to say anything. You tell us what's wrong with administration. You know, that's oh. a, always a good conversation, oh. right? <laughs> well, for somebody it is. <laughs> <laughs> but what we try to do is say, okay, we understand, but here's what you have to do. And so it's almost like a service level agreement. So I try to keep business out of it, but it's like, okay, if you do this, I mean, if you get your travel in on time or whatever it is, we'll do this. So, and we need you to do this. So, so I think once we started those lines of communication across the university, that helped. And and then another thing that um, is really nice is, and I haven't seen this done at another institution, but the president has a monthly um, forum. And he has one for the staff and one for the faculty. And that's a time for us to talk about about what's going on in the university. So when I'm um, talking about hiring freeze or budget cuts or we got to have a better fund balance and this is our CFI, I'm able to explain that across the university and they have an opportunity to, to ask questions. Here's what's interesting for me around this conversation, uh, Teresa, and in, 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 and that I, what I recall and listen to you talk is that the thing that you bring uh, that I think business officers really would con- need continuous reminders of, because we can all do this better, is this idea of an open door policy, and that you really are very intentional 
about making sure you're meeting with all stakeholders. And I think we can't emphasize this enough, how important it is to have that policy that I'm here both to learn, but also to guide. So that to me was what struck me about what I found compelling about your work is that you've got this mindset of, uh, I, I have a role to play, but I'm going to do this in partnership with the rest of you. Yeah, and um, I think that had to be communicated, Howard, because for, you, you know, in, in academic, it's always some non-trustworthiness of administration. But as we started talking, at the end of the day, the goal is the same, which is um, how do we make sure our students is successful? And how do we do that within the resources and that we have. And so I spent a lot of times um, with the data team um, talking to anyone that wants to talk about how do we still manage to do this um, with um, with not tapping into saying it's an isolated decision or it's a decision at the top, but it is a buy-in that we both agree Um, with how we're going to do it and what the outcome should be because that I will measure because if the outcomes are not what we said, then we have to revisit that. So that's the other role that comes out at the end of the day. How often do you spend yourself talking to to, uh, other department heads, deans? The provost and I have a a great working relationship. and so we are the two senior executives, so we try to make decisions um, together, so we're all on one page. And so we, I had to learn to walk on the academic side and understand, and then I have to spend a little bit of time making sure they understand the business side. Uh, this university still has to pay its light bills and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I spent a lot of time with them um, talking about data. So here's like one example um, coming up in the spring. And so I sent out data for their, all their spring classes for the last three years. Here's what your spring enrollment looked like. I see 68% of this is less than 10 students. Maybe, I don't tell them, maybe you want to look at um, a break-even, which says that we need to have at least 10 paying students in a classroom. Does that serve the same purpose? Or Mm -hmm. is there a reason academically why we can't uh, merge some of those programs? So leave them some Christmas um, uh, information to think about. Um, <laughs> well, well, coming from a perspective of, of wanting to pay the light bills with hope, I can understand how that that might be a challenging transfer of culture. So, uh, but um, getting them involved with um, what I see, because, you know, when I tell them, I see the entire university. So I know they, you know, their focus is academic and it is the core. But, you know, when you look at the entire university, I, I and, and this division have to make sure we're sustainable. So how do we do that with the same outcome? So I try to, um, I meet with them anytime they want to meet to talk about um, efficiencies and how, just in my opinion, which doesn't mean a whole lot per se in academics, but how I think that we can get to the same conclusion by saving money. And one thing I do, I think it's important that um, it was kind of odd for them. It's not that I was trying to cut the budget. It's just that when there's no new sources of revenue until we start going out getting that, you have to reallocate within your own budget. So the goal is, or the exercise is, how can I take what I already have and reallocate it to what I really need? 
Um, when you look at the work that you have done, uh, Trace, over the last, you know, as, as you have implemented some of these these major changes, and you think about, you know, the work you and your team have done uh, working with other, you know, departments across the university, what are you most proud of or excited about? Besides, I, besides meeting the two of us, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's gonna highlight. Didn't that go without saying? Yeah, right. All right, all right. Never mind. I threw. A, sorry, sorry about that. Go ahead. I, I think so. There's uh, two things I, I really want to emphasize. Is one, I think the approach of this university embracing data, as as they have, and actually they um, have named a university data scientist, data analytics, which is faculty um, driven. Um, he and he works with me in partnership with me, and it is university wide. So. Um, I'm, I'm happy about that. I don't know if that exists. I know there's institutional research and all that stuff, but this one just really focused on internal data analytics and predictive model or how we retain and enroll, retain and progress our students across the graduation in four or less years, not even six years, but four or less. So I'm excited about that because I think that's a step forward. Um, and I think that is something that is so nicely embraced by the university community. The second thing, and I mentioned it um, earlier, and I won't go into great details, but the program prioritization, every, every unit and department participated in that, every one of them. Every person had a say-so um, in that positive, negative, or whatever, but every person had a say-so in that. But it was based out of data, you know? How do we process? Are we using the most efficient way? We did process uh, business process re-engineer for a lot of our processes because we heard a lot of complaints. So how do we meet the customer and meet them in the time that um, is, is reasonable and allowable for us? I think the academic side, again, that went all the way from faculty to chairs to deans to the provosts, and they, they hashed it out. And they came up with um, which program should be invested, which which one should be deactivated, which one should be left alone because they can stand on their own, and where should we be really putting our money? So, so I, I have a question for you, Teresa. Over mm -hmm. what time? Over what time frame did you uh, do that particular program prioritization project? Um, it took two years. If, if you were to ask the board of trustees, they were like, "Oh, it took too long," but. Um, it took two years because the president wanted to make sure everyone had to say so because when we get to execution, that's exactly what we're going to do. There you go. Yeah. That's that. See, that's an important lesson for people that that you're making both a short term uh, commitment, but these things take time, and we need to have patience to get through these and do these the right way. Wow. You know, rightfully, boards want to see. A change in in this in navigation sooner than later, but to deconstruct programs and say what's consistent with mission, what's not, what do we want to invest in? You've got to engage the faculty deeply in the conversation. Right, and then the last thing I think that is most excited, we were doing. Um, KPIs or our strategic plan at a university level, the data team has been able to drill that down down to the program or the department. So now everyone knows their part in our KPIs. So say, for example, if the retention is to go up 5%, 
We can go down to each college, to each program to say, this has been your retention for the last five years in a county or in English or whatever the program is. And in order to do this, here's your responsibility to move this percentage up. You need net 12 students or net two students, whatever the case may be. But it's like, oh, now I have a goal. Now I can see myself in this whole picture and what part it plays. It does me makes my heart warm because now I can respond back to strategies that I see that did or did not work, whereas before we couldn't do that. So that's really exciting. So so what I'll say about that, Teresa, is what what you just described is every business officer's dream scenario. And I'm sure you're aware of, as you talk to other business officers, how rare it is to that to have that kind of comprehensive approach. So, you know, one of my hopes too is that you continue to be a resource to other business officers about how to go about doing this, uh, the strategies, the tools, the resources that you use, if you went outside to get help. You know, this is something that, you know, Pete, I'll tell you that this is front and center in our our work is helping this kind of comprehensive approach to looking at programs and services on the academic and administrative side. And it sounds to me, Teresa, you've you've you in partnership with others at the school have done a masterful job uh, of doing this in a comprehensive way. It doesn't mean the work's over. As a matter of fact, in many ways, my guess is some of the harder work is in front of you. But Getting these things done so that you can look at it in a holistic way, this is an incredible accomplishment. And you're exactly right. That's It, it is the hard work um, before us. And so one of the things we have done that we're going to roll out in January is a template that does drill down. So every month is called Get the Green. How do we make sure we're still on the pathway to getting the green where we don't Great. lose sight of what we're trying to do here? Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. That's a great <laughs> title, too. <laughs> this has been a fantastic conversation, uh, Teresa. Thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your, uh, your insights and your experience with this, uh, these, these new models. It's just uh, fantastic to, to hear, and it sounds like you guys are, are doing some really great things at Delaware State University. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for having or listening to all the great things that are going on at Delaware State. We are very proud here at the university. You know, before we let you go, are there any resources that you'd like to point our listeners to on the website, anything that they can learn about some of the the resources that you put together that is publicly available, or, or should we just send people straight to the main website? You can just send them to the main main website. What we will be doing in January, since we've um, got everything approved by the board, we will be rolling out this information um, publicly so that um, anyone can kind of see the templates and the town halls and everything involved in getting to where we needed to be. Thank you so much. We're t- we've been talking to the uh, Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, Dr. Teresa Hardy, Delaware State University. Thank you. And, uh, Howard, uh, we, we've got to get out of here. Take us out, Pete. Hey, everybody, thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Don't forget, if you're listening on the website, you can subscribe for free. Join our email list, and we'll, we'll send you an email whenever a new episode goes live. Again, just hit that blue button. On behalf of Howard Tybel and Teresa Hardy, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybel, Inc.